Well, hey, good morning, Calvary family. Happy Memorial Day weekend to you. I hope that uh, sometime over the course of the weekend you get to fire up your grill or your smoker and throw some hot dogs on and have a nice socially distant picnic with some folks. Um, it's Memorial Day. And as most of you know, this is the day here in the United States that uh, we remember those men and women who have served in the military and as a result of their service uh, lost their lives. And it's a chance just to pause and to think about them and think about the sacrifice that many families have had. And it's a day that we also think about those who maybe didn't give their lives, but we also uh, just thank and remember and think about those folks who have served in the military. And so normally, if we were all here in the room, which we're not, we would have those men and women and families who have uh, someone serving in a branch of the armed forces stand up and we'd thank you and we'd honor you. Um, <clears throat> we can't do that because you're not here in the room with us. But even though you're not here with us, we just want to thank you. And we want to say we appreciate what you've done and how you've served. So uh, happy Memorial Day and thanks. And today, whether serving in the military is part of your story or isn't part of your story, the, the cool thing is that what unites us together isn't our military service, but something bigger than that. And what unites you and unites me and unites us together, for many of us, is Jesus. And so as folks who believe in Jesus and want to know what Jesus has for us and how to honor him and serve him, we have a great opportunity together to come and to open up the Bible and see some practical wisdom and truth for our lives together. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into what God has for us in his text. Let's pray. Father, I am grateful once again we come and we open up your word, and um, it's becoming a bit familiar to do this through video, uh, but still a bit odd. And I think of those folks who are at all different phases today, and some are having great days, and some are having challenging days, and we pray for your peace and your comfort and your strength. We thank you that we can know what you want us to do and how you want us to live. You've spoken to us, and you still speak to us today through your word, and so thanks for the opportunity to come to this. You know every single person who's listening, and you know why they're listening, and in your sovereignty, those of us who have clicked on this sermon today are here, and so I pray that your word will work powerfully to bring encouragement or to bring exhortation uh, as we continue to rest in your grace, Father, and, and trust the Spirit's work in our lives to become the people that you're shaping us to be more like Jesus. So thanks for this moment. Thanks for this opportunity. Please work on this Sunday morning, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you've been with us, you know that we're, we're several Sundays into our study in this book of, of Joshua. And in this study, we've been following the historical journey, historical events that have happened in the Jewish people's lives. And we watch on this trek that they've been making. We're going to pop a map up on the screen, and we've referred to this map a few times. And we've been watching this group of Jewish people who are now being led by Joshua They've come up to the Jordan River, right? And then they've crossed from the east side of that Jordan River. They've crossed over to the west side of that Jordan River. And you'll kind of see there in that little circle deal on the map, the very first city they encounter after they've crossed that Jordan River is a city called Jericho, right? Jericho. First city they encounter is Jericho. And some of you already may be thinking about the little song, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, right? That's kind of where we find them Today And if today you were to hop on a plane and you were to go to that circled city, that area of what used to be historical Jericho, here are some of the things you would see, right? We have two different pictures for you of the ruins of that historical city. And you're going to see there the walls 
of that city. You'll see an image of a man standing next to the wall to give you some context of, of how high those walls were and what those city used to look like. But back in the story where we find ourselves in Joshua, when the Jewish people were looking at that city, when the Jewish people were approaching the city of Jericho, it wasn't ruins. It wasn't torn down. In fact, it was this, this significant, huge kind of outpost, obstacle that they had to get across. When the Jewish people had crossed over the Jordan and the first place they were going to hit was that city of Jericho, man, the city of Jericho was one of the most well-fortified and defended cities kind of back in that time. Those walls that you saw in ruins, man, originally they were 15 feet high. They were several feet wide and there wasn't just one wall. They had this double ring of walls that surrounded the city. In order to attack the city, in order to get into the city, you had to find out some way to get over not just one wall, but two walls. Man, in this city, to get past it was an obstacle. And it was a challenge. And what's interesting is that that obstacle and that challenge was directly on the path that God was leading these people. It was something that they were going to have to face. The city of Jericho was something that they were going to have to overcome. It was a hurdle. It was a challenge that they were going to have to deal with as they continued to obediently follow God where he was leading him. And, and here's why that matters to you and to I this morning, because for you and for I this morning, each one of us who's listening to this, no matter what you believe about Jesus, no matter what you believe about the Bible, every single one of us in some moment in our life is going to face an obstacle. Every single moment, every single one of us in, in some place in the journey that we're walking in our lives, we're going to encounter things. We're going to encounter circumstances. We're going to encounter challenges we're going to counter obstacles that sometimes seem too big, that seem overwhelming, that seem unbeatable, that seem like we're never going to be able to get across it, that what we're facing, what's in front of us, what's right here that we're walking through, is we're going to feel like, man, there's, there's, it's just too much to overcome. And maybe for some of you as you're listening to that, that, that feeling, the reality of facing an obstacle or facing a circumstance that just seems so large and so looming. Maybe that's something that you've been experiencing the past few months. Maybe that's something that you're experiencing right now, right in front of you is a challenge, is a circumstance, is a hurdle that you got to get past, you got to get through, you got to figure out, but you don't know how to do it. Maybe you're not experiencing it now, Maybe as you're thinking about, okay, it, it, things are starting to open up, right? There's, a, there's a, a chapter after this stay home stuff, and there's something out there that when you stayed home and we've kind of been quarantined, you haven't had to deal with, but you know that, man, there's this looming issue that, that you're going to have to deal with, and you're starting to get a little stressed about it. You're starting to get a little anxious about it because, man, it, it's tough, and it's big. And it's a challenge, and here's the reality for you and for I this morning. The question is not whether we're going to encounter obstacles and challenges and hard circumstances in our life. The question is, when we do encounter those things, how are we supposed to act? It's not whether we're going to encounter those things, because we are going to encounter those things. The question is, when we encounter them, how are we supposed to act. 
And so that's what our text is going to be about, right? This issue of an obstacle, this challenge, this big thing to deal with. We're going to be picking up where we left off last week. We're going to be in Joshua uh, chapter 5, verse 13, and we're going to kind of work our way through part of chapter 6 as well. And as we walk through the text, what we're going to kind of pull out is, is try to deal with the question of this. What do we do when we face an overwhelming obstacle? What do we do when we face an overwhelming obstacle? Well, in this historical <clears throat> account and situation, where do we find Joshua? We, we pick up the story and we see Joshua in a certain place. It's, it's probably early in the morning, and kind of that early morning haze and fog is starting to lift, and Joshua has the Jordan River back to his back, and in front of him, he's staring at the city of Jericho. It's probably off in the distance still, and he can just see the outline of it. He just sees the shape of it. We know many times in the past he's tried to figure out strategy, and he's probably looking at that city thinking about, man, how am I going to deal with that? How am I going to fight that? How am I going to navigate through that? And as he's looking out at that city, what happens? We see what kind of happens in verse 13 of chapter 5. And it says this, When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and he looked. And behold, a man was standing beside him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Who is this person? Who is this character that shows up, this commander? Well, there's, there's two clues in the text to who he is. The first is the very first phrase that's used as his title, the commander of the army of the Lord. That title at different times in the Old Testament and similar titles are used to describe moments when God, right, the son or the father somehow makes an appearance in some form to some person on earth, that title is used in different moments in the Old Testament when God, in some form, makes an appearance to a person on earth. But there's a second kind of another layer that helps us try to understand who this person is, and it's what the person says. And if you look at the end of verse 15, what this, this commander of the Lord's army says is this. He tells Joshua to take off your sandals because the place that you're standing is holy. That phrase is the exact phrase that God used to Moses when he appeared to Moses. And when you take these two things together, the commander of the Lord's army is a title and this commander telling them to take off their shoes, what the narrator is making clear, what the speaker is making clear is that this person who's appearing to Joshua is God. It's this divine appearance of God to Joshua, and Joshua's here trying to figure out, okay, well, who, who is this person? Let me wrap my arms around it. But, but additionally, what Joshua's trying to figure out is this, whose side are you on? Right? Are you, are you on my enemy's side? Am I going to make a bunch of, have a bunch of trouble fighting against you? Or are you on my side? And, and what God does is he doesn't answer that question directly. God flips the question, and God kind of dodges the question of whose side he's on in this. And I love how he answers in verse 14, because this is what he wants Joshua to get. He says, no, right? But I am the commander of the Lord of the army. Now I have come. Now I have come. 
It's early in the morning as a leader of the people, Joshua's looking at this big obstacle that he's going to have to get across and he's thinking about how to deal with it and what to do with it. And in that moment, what God does is make an appearance to him and what God wants to get across to Joshua is one simple point and the point is this, Joshua, you're not in this alone. I have come. I am here. And I am here as the commander. What God is trying to tell Joshua is, Joshua, hey, relax, bro. You're not ultimately in charge. Ultimately, what God is saying is, Joshua, I'm in charge. And that should have been this great encouragement to Joshua that all the pressure to fix and to deal with this obstacle wasn't on him. And in addition to that, what God is trying to make clear to Joshua is, Joshua, not only am I the one who's in charge, not only am I the one who's ultimately responsible, but I am here with you. Now I've come. And Joshua, I'm in charge. And Joshua, I'm with you. And before Joshua took one more step towards that obstacle, before Joshua made one more plan to deal with that obstacle, what God wanted him to know was those two things. And that's something that we can know. Maybe as you're facing an obstacle, as you will face an obstacle, as you're coming through an obstacle, here's the first thing to do and know when you face an overwhelming obstacle, remember that God is with you and he's in charge. Remember that God is with you and that he is in charge. Are you facing something challenging this morning? This morning, as you're listening to this sermon, as you're on your couch, as you're eating your granola, golden grams, or whatever it is, man, are you you anxious about something? Are you facing an obstacle this morning, and are you having anxiety, stress, worry, because of that big challenge, that big obstacle that's out there? Many times, if you're facing anxiety this morning, you know what? Many times... The reason we face anxiety is because we forget things. Many times we forget that God's with us. And as that obstacle looms, we start to tell ourselves that, man, we're all by ourselves in this. It's just us against that. And and when we forget that God is here with us, our anxiety level starts to rise. And our anxiety level also starts to rise as we face obstacles. When we start to think that we're ultimately the ones who are responsible to deal with that obstacle. Sometimes what just ramps up the anxiety in your life and in my life is when we face something... And we think, okay, it's my job to ultimately fix this. It's my job to ultimately overcome it. And we take responsibility to try to fix something that ultimately we don't have any power or ability to fix. And when you take the responsibility to fix something that you don't have the ability or the power to ultimately fix, man, that creates all sorts of anxiety. And this morning... If you're facing an obstacle out there and if you're facing anxiety because of that obstacle, maybe what God wants you to know is what he wanted Joshua to know. And maybe before you take one more step towards dealing with that, maybe before you make one more decision about what to do, maybe before you have one more anxious night tossing and turning about it, you need to remember 
that God is with you and he's in charge. As this account continues, we see another truth and we see that as we move over to chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, and it starts to describe what this obstacle is like and it's layering on this, this significance of this hard thing to overcome. Now Jericho, verse six, uh, chapter 6, verse 1. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of the Israel. In other words, man, these guys have clamped it down, right? They've buttoned down the hatches. They've locked and loaded their glocks. This thing's a fortress that they're ready to go. The people inside are ready to fight the people who are trying to attack. None went out and none came in. But look what God says to Joshua. Verse 2. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and its mighty men of valor. The tense there is so important. I, it's a past tense, right? It's something that's already been done. I have given to you this city. What, what God is telling to Joshua is this. Hey, Joshua, look, man, you, you just need to face this moment knowing that this, man, the victory, the victory, it's already been accomplished. I've already won this for you, Joshua. Right? You're not fighting for victory, Joshua. You're, you're essentially fighting from a place of already having victory. And God wanted Joshua to know that. Here's the second thing to know and to do when you face an overwhelming obstacle. Fight from a place of victory. If you're a Christian, fight from a place of victory. Now, I wish we were face-to-face because -face, in this moment, I would do my best to scan the audience and to look every single one of you in the eye because we got to tread really carefully on phrases like that when we say things like fight from a place of victory because what we need to make sure is that this isn't like selling some snake oil, right? We're, we're not trying to sell a, a magic decoder ring that you just rub and you never have anything bad in your life, right? This, this doesn't mean that in everything you face, you'll have victory and success in this life. It doesn't mean that on every day and in every way, whatever obstacle you face, that you're ultimately you're going to have victory in, right? There's going to be some things that we wrestle with for years, and there's going to be some things that some of us wrestle with throughout our entire life. Some people may face addictions, and it's something they battle through the remainder of their lives. Some people are going to have depression, and anxiety. And it's something that's going to come in waves at different moments and different years and different decades of their story. There's going to be defeats on some days and in some ways. And so when we say that we fight from a place of victory, it doesn't mean that God protects us from everything hard and makes everything always all right. But what it does mean is this, that ultimately, ultimately, and in the end, what it means is this, God wins. God wins. And today, this day, Jesus has already given us victory in some areas. He's given us victory over the penalty of sin. He's given us victory over shame. He's given us victory over fear. He's given us victory over death. Jesus has given us victory over hopelessness. We have victory over those things and ultimately God will give us victory at the end of our story over everything because God wins. And sometimes we just need to stop thinking we've been defeated. And sometimes what we need to do is remember, look, at the end of the story, 
when the last chapter's read, when we're in the presence of God and we're worshiping Jesus, our Savior and our King, God wins. And as Joshua is about to walk into this moment with an obstacle and with a challenge and with a fear, what God wants Joshua to remember is Joshua. Man, I've already won this. I've already done this for you. So fight Joshua from the place of victory. What was the plan for the fight? What was the strategy of the battle, right? How was it that Joshua was supposed to take the city? Well, God lays out kind of this, this strategy and it's this seven-day process. It's this plan and there's a different plan for days one through six and a different kind of attack plan from day seven, right? So, you know, as God and Joshua are like in the tent and they had the battlefield plans laid out and they have the little map with little tanks and a little deal, right? What, what's the attack strategy? Well, we see the day one to six plan, the plan for days one to six in chapter six verses uh, three in the first part of four. So here's the plan for day one through day six. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus you shall do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. And so here, here's kind of the plan, right? As we read later, we see it fleshed out a little more. But it's this kind of parade, and in the front of the pack are some soldiers, then are some priests with some trumpets, then behind the priests with some trumpets is the Ark of the Covenant, and behind the Ark of the Covenant are kind of like these Navy SEAL rear guards. And that parade, that processional, takes one lap around the city each day for six days. That processional takes one lap around the city of Jericho each day for six days. On day seven, there's a different plan. We see part of that plan revealed in the second part of verse four and then into verse five, where it says this, on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horns, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout and the walls of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up everywhere straight between them. So the seventh day, right, there's priests and they make the lap and then there's a trumpet blast and everybody's shouting. Now, man, this, in this culture and even in our culture, in most cultures, this is a really, really strange battle plan. It's like odd. It's countercultural. It doesn't seem to make much sense, right? Because it's a little weird because in this culture, there were two ways that you would attack a city. Normally, most troops, most military leaders, if they came up to a city like Jericho, they would try to overtake it by one of two ways. They would build these ramps, right? Maybe you've seen like Lord of the Rings or other movies where they attack castles. They'd build some ramps and then what they do is, man, they'd make those ramps able to get up to the top of the wall and they would like send a charge of people up over these ramps at different places and then you just ramps to overcome the walls of the city. That was one way that made sense, that was relevant, that seemed to be a good thing to do in this moment. The second way to attack a city wouldn't be through ramps, but it would just be through a siege where the troops would just surround the city and they wouldn't let any food in they wouldn't let any fresh water in, and they would just wait. And they'd wait for long enough and long enough and long enough until the people inside started to starve and started to die, and they would just wait it out. 
ramps or a siege, that's what would have made sense. That was the normal way. That was the cultural way. That was the relevant way. That seemed to be the wise way to attack and to handle and to deal with this obstacle. But as they face this obstacle in this moment, what God wanted them to do, how God wanted them to act, it it just didn't make a whole lot of sense to them. And it was strange. It was different. And it wasn't relevant. It wasn't the normal operating procedure. And that shows us the third thing to do when we face overwhelming obstacles, which is this. Do not let the strangeness of God's instruction keep you from obeying God's instruction. Sometimes when you face an obstacle, the way God tells you to handle it, the way the scripture says we are to act facing that obstacle and amidst that obstacle, it's going to sound a little strange. It's not really going to be the way that we think makes the most sense. But in that moment, don't let the strangeness of God's instruction keep you from obeying God's instruction. Maybe you're you're facing an obstacle this morning, a challenge, a hurdle. And as you think about how you're going to navigate it, the, the way that seems easiest to get out of it or to deal with it or to just make it go away is to lie. And you're justifying that lie in your mind. You're saying, well, it's just a white lie. It's a little lie. You're using little words like fib, right? And you're trying to justify a lie. And in your mind, what you're telling yourself is, man, that that obstacle, the best way to get through it, if I just lie, man, I'm on the other side of it. And then for the rest of my life, cross my heart, stick a needle in my eye, right? I'll never lie again. But right now it makes sense to lie. But, But what you know is that God doesn't want you to lie. God wants you to be honest, and sometimes honesty actually makes the obstacle harder. And sometimes honesty doesn't make things easier. Sometimes honesty makes things harder. And so you're in a place where you're thinking, man, if I do it God's way, that just seems strange because it's not going to get me around the obstacle. It's going to keep me right in the midst of it. Don't let the apparent strangeness of telling the truth in this moment keep you from obeying what God wants you to do by telling the truth in this moment. Maybe these past, I don't even know what it's been, eight, nine weeks that families have been clumped together. Maybe going into those eight or nine weeks, your your marriage wasn't in a great spot. Maybe coming into these past eight or nine weeks, your marriage was in a dry spot, a hard spot. You just simply don't like the person you're married to anymore. And I don't mean you don't like them for like a day. I mean like you can't stand them. And now you've been trapped together in a house for eight or nine weeks and all that's done is magnify the difficulties in your marriage. And you've reached a point where you think to yourself, man, I just want to get a divorce. I just want out of this deal. And all your friends, right, that's the approach that some of your friends have taken. Man, all your friends are telling you, what are you doing? 
bail on this thing, right? You're still young. You still have a future in front of you. You deserve to be happy. You deserve to be who you are, right? Why don't you just leave this dead weight and start over because you can do better. But you know that in your fact pattern, right, the Bible says divorce wouldn't be permitted. And you're thinking to yourself, well, man, that just doesn't make sense. It seems strange that I need to stay with this person who drives me crazy. I'm not talking about a situation of abuse. If you're in a situation of abuse, man, you need to leave the house and you need to call 911, right? But I'm talking about a situation where you've been together for five years, seven years, 17 years, and you can't stand your spouse anymore. And everything seems to be telling you in the relevant, normal, accepted way that seems to make sense is divorce, start over. But in your fact pattern, the Bible says, don't do that. And it just seems strange. It seems odd. It seems so irrelevant. And it seems so countercultural and so outdated and so something your grandmother would have said to do. And it's strange, perhaps, to you. But today, don't let the apparent strangeness of God's instructions keep you from obeying God's instructions. We, we could keep going all day with examples, right? And sometimes when we face obstacles, when we face challenges, when we face circumstances that are hard, when we come to the book for wisdom about what we're to do, man, the book's wisdom, God's wisdom, it's just like, I don't know. Sometimes it seems strange. Sometimes it seems outdated. Sometimes it doesn't seem to make sense. Sometimes it seems like it's only going to make things worse. But in those moments, don't let the strangeness, apparent strangeness of God's instructions keep you from obeying God's instructions because God knows best. So what did the Jewish people do? What did Joshua do? Did they say to themselves, this is crazy talk, right? Forget this. I'm going to make me some bows. I'm going to get some arrows. I'm going to like build a Black Hawk helicopter and we're going to take this thing. What did they do? You know what they did? They did what God told them to do. And so if you don't know the story, here's what, if we read more, right? But here's what the story tells us. Day one, man, they got up they formed this little processional in the order that it was supposed to do. They walked around the city. Day two, they got up. They formed this little processional. They did it the way they're supposed to do. They made a lap around the city. Day three, they got up. They made this little processional. They did what they were supposed to do. They took a lap around the city. Day four, day five, day six, they got up. They formed this little processional. They did what they were supposed to do. They made a lap around the city. And I don't know about you, but man, about day four or day five, I might be thinking to myself, you might be thinking to yourself, the people in the story might have been thinking to themselves, man, it's time to get on with this thing. Like, like it's time to conquer this. It's time to take it. It's time to fix this problem. And we've just been walking around this city. We've been doing it God's way for one day, for two days, for three days, for four days, for five days, for six days. And some of the people, I probably would have been wondering, you might have been wondering, they might have been wondering, why isn't God working faster? This whole doing it this way, it seems so efficient. 
Like, doesn't God know we want to get on with life? Doesn't God know we have things to do? Doesn't God know we have other plans and we just need to fix this and get on with it? And after the lap on day one, and after the lap on day two, and after the lap on day three, and after the lap on day four, and after the lap on day five, and after the lap on day six, guess what? The walls were still standing. None of the people had come running out of Jericho and surrendered. There'd been no victory, and the Jews did not appear any closer to overcoming that obstacle than when they first began. And some of them might have said, okay, I'm done. I forget day seven because it's taking too long. It's not going to work. And I just want to give up. And continuing to obey, man, it's a waste of time. It's a joke to do it one more day, one more lap, one more God's way. It doesn't make sense. It's not going to work. He hasn't shown up yet. Forget it. I'm done. I'm going to take my trophy and go home, and I'm going to do it my way and fix it. But you know what God wanted them to do after day one, after day two, after day three, after day four, after day five, after day six. You know what God wanted? He wanted them to walk one more day. He wanted to have them get up one more day and form the little procession and take the lap and add some shouts and add some trumpets. He wanted them to get up one more day and do it his way again. He wanted them to keep walking. He wanted them to keep walking. And here's the final thing for you and for I to know when we face an overwhelming obstacle and when we know what God wants us to do, even if it seems strange, you know what God wants you to do? You know what God wants me to do? He wants us to keep walking. And the people did walk and the story ends like the song ends, right? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, even though actually Joshua didn't fight it. God fought the battle of Jericho. And after the seventh day of obedience, the walls did come tumbling down. And what we see from this, this, this routine, this lap, this expectation is, you know what God wants from us? Do you know what he wanted from Joshua? Do you know what he wanted from the Jewish people? He wants obedience in all the details. He wanted them to make the procession the way that he told them to do it, and he wanted them to obey each of those details. He didn't want them to take five laps on one day. He wanted them to obey in every single detail. And you know what else God wanted? God wanted them to obey until the end. God wanted them to obey until the end, and God wanted them to keep obeying even when they didn't see success, even when it didn't seem to be working, even when that obstacle was still looming, even when they wanted to give up, he wanted them to keep walking and to walk on. And that matters for you and that matters for me because sometimes in our story, we're going to face an obstacle, we're going to face a circumstance, and we're going to obey God but maybe it's not after a day or two days or three days, but after a month or three months or four years. Man, it seems like, why bother? It seems like God's not doing anything. 
It seems like it's a waste of time. It seems like God's not going to show up. It seems like it'd be better for us just to try to fix things our way. And sometimes that's what some of us face. And sometimes in those moments, we're tempted to give up and we're tempted to stop obeying and we're tempted to start doing it our way. And if that's what you're feeling this morning or if that's what you're going to feel someday, some way, what God wants you to remember is this, keep walking. Keep walking in the way in which God has told you to walk. Because what God wants from me and what God wants for you and what God wants for us is obedience in every detail and obedience until the end. Even when he doesn't show up in our timetable. Even when we haven't seen victory, even when that obstacle is still there, even when we've done it his way for so long, keep walking. The reality for you and the reality for me is that in our life, the question is not whether we're going to face an obstacle. The question is when we do face that obstacle. When we do face that challenge, when we do face that circumstance, when we do face that moment or that thing that is bigger than us that we have to deal with and get through, the question is, in those moments, how do we act? And God has shown the Jewish people and God has shown Joshua great truths about how he expected them to act in their story. And today in 2020 on Memorial Day, The truths that he wanted and expected for them as they face their obstacle are just as strong, just as meaningful, just as helpful, and just as powerful for me and for you as we face whatever it is we may be facing. You're not alone. Don't give up. Fight from a place knowing that in the end, in the end of the story, when you read the last chapter, God wins. And sometimes we need to frame what we see, not from a place of we're defeated, but from a place of, man, you know what? My king, man, he's the one who wins at the end of the day. And don't let the strangeness of what God sometimes asks you to do in obeying him when you face an obstacle keep you from obeying him and when you do choose to obey even if it seems irrelevant even if it seems outdated even if it seems countercultural if you don't see victory quick if it seems like God's taking a long time if you think it's futile if you think it's futile and if you think it's foolish keep walking keep walking Man, I hope you have a great Sunday. I'm excited about what God has told us today through his word. I'm excited about what he has for us next week and would love for you to click back online and join us. Man, as we say every week, if there's any way that we can pray for you, go to the homepage of our website right now. We have a way for you to submit a prayer request. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email. There's an email on our About Us page, an email of the pastors. If you want to learn more about Calvary or how to get connected, we want to make sure we're continuing to engage with you and care for you well during this time. And so there's ways for you to reach out and let us know how we can help. Man, I hope you have a great weekend. I do hope you get to eat a hot dog or if you're a vegetarian, have a veggie burger. And I do hope that you know that God is good and he is loving. 
and he cares for you, and he can be trusted. So walk on it. Let me pray. Father, thank you that you don't leave us alone as we face obstacles. Thank you that what you wanted Joshua to know before he even got any step closer to the city of Jericho was he was starting to perhaps feel fear and not knowing what to do, that you wanted to stop those potential feelings and let him know that you were with him, and that ultimately the one who was responsible to bring victory wasn't Joshua, it was you. And Father, help us even today to think about and to rest on and to cling to the fact that you're present and that ultimately you're the one with the power and the authority and the ability to help us in the things that we can't fix ourselves. And so, Father, help us to do the very thing that you ask us to do when some of us are facing obstacles, not to try to fix them in our own power, but to humble ourselves before you by casting those things upon you and by trusting you and by thanking you and by resting in you. Father, I pray you'll give us peace, give us strength, and thank you for mercy and grace. Amen.